welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 4, Episode 1, titled RuPocalypse Now. My name's Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one loquacious co-host. First from the podcast pod is my co-pilot. Please say... To Taylor the Latte Boy. Hello, Taylor the Latte Boy. Joseph. Bonjour, lady. <laughs> Bonjour, lady. Uh, how are you? It's been a... Uh, okay. I can't believe we're up to four seasons of this hit show called yeah. RuPaul's Drag Race. And it's yeah, just me and you. amazing. Well, last season, you sat out because you were mad. So we had Adam Salandra. <laughs> but uh, yes. but you're but you're back 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 again for this season, which is interesting because that's a catchphrase that no one has ever said on the show so far. Oh no, I coin a lot of catchphrases. People oh, don't know yeah, that. You, yeah, you you, yeah, you yeah. actually are the writer. You're the secret writer that's slipping mm-hmm. notes to the girls. Yep. I'm okay. the one. Yeah. Uh huh. Just like um, you know, I don't. I also I don't want to spoil any of the catchphrases. Right. Okay. But I just, you know, happy Hunger Games, bitches. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Tale of the Latte Boy, here we are doing season four of RuPaul's yeah. Drag Race. Uh, a show, who who thought it would last four seasons? But how? But here we are in uh, the, we're, we're approaching the fall. We are in September of 2021. And, uh... How are you? I guess I'm especially okay. you live in you live in Florida, and I saw the a startling t- statistic about Florida. How is it? How is how is life treating you out there? Uh, I'm currently high on a flu shot and DiGiorno pizza, so mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> you know, uh, um, yeah. in terms of frozen pizzas, are there are there certain? Are you picky about your frozen pizzas? Um. Yes and no. We've always been kind of a DiGiorno family. Yeah, sure. Because it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Yeah. But we had they have a croissant pizza right now that's what? pretty good. So it's it sits it's a pizza, but instead of pizza crust, it's croissant. Because the only thing that pizza needs is more buttery buttery dough. Yeah. Um and we've had that one a couple of times and that's pretty good. Uh we're ne- we've never been a big red baron fan mm-hmm. like that's not a pizza that we ever get when i was little mm-hmm. mama celeste that was a yeah. big deal if we got mama celeste mm-hmm. um and i had one recently like i was like let me just they're like they're literally like a dollar 99 for one yeah. there's a reason they're only a dollar 99 because they're horrible they're horrible i've never had them yeah but you know what's so funny is i'll be honest with you and i don't know what it is about the frozen pizza okay mm-hmm if someone makes like it's one of those things that if someone makes it and it's sitting in front of me and I'm hungry, I'm like, that's not half bad. But unlike regular pizza, I will never eat day old frozen pizza. Why is no. that? I want no. no, but why is that? Tell me why, Taylor. I know you solve mysteries. Tell me why that is. Well, I think because you know eating it that it's frozen, which means it's just chemicals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really, it's, it's yeah. just, it's a frozen meal that you wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily be good heated up. Whereas I think that if you get in my mind, if you get pizza from a pizza place, it is actually made with fresh ingredients, mm-hmm. particularly if it's like a local pizza place, which we have a couple yeah. of those that are really good. And mm-hmm. then that heated up, you're not like just heating up chemicals again. 
Because a lot of that stuff that's like frozen foods or manufactured foods, it's never as good the second time you heat it up. And mm-hmm. pizza, I think, is just the same. I think I think the same rules apply there. But my question to you, I guess what I'm getting at is what are some of your favorite frozen foods? If you were going to do Taylor's you know, list of the best five frozen foods, what would they be? God, that's a really good question because I don't necessarily eat a lot of frozen food. I mean, frozen oh, pizza look, oh, well, look at you. Pa-pa-pa, Gordon Ramsay here. Uh, <laughs> you just need Mr. S- you know, slow food Taylor. Um, okay. So things that are my favorite frozen foods. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Hmm. Well, okay, uh, so waffles. pieces. Uh, well, I, I know what my number one is. I'm trying to come up with the other four. Okay. So. Um, I would say my uh, like Stouffer's French bread pizzas. Those okay. are a good quick meal. Sure. They're never microwaved. You have anything like that frozen pizzas. You don't microwave mm-hmm. anything. You have to put them in. Um, I feel like let's see what else. Uh, I, I feel like we have sometimes we have like Tyson 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 like chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. Occasionally we'll do those. Those can mm-hmm. be pretty good. Um, so that's two. You have the DiGiorno pizza. So that's three. You're, so you're a big fan of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we would definitely do that. And I'm trying to think of something that would be a fourth thing. We recently had, um, cause we got an air fryer. Mm-hmm. So Babalu bought mozzarella sticks. Okay. And we had mozzarella sticks. Oh, wait a minute. No. Okay. I also thought of something else. Sweet potato french fries. Oh, Particularly the, um, what's it? Alicia, Alyssa, something like that. Um, they're like a Chipotle sweet potato fry. Those mm-hmm. are really good. But my number one all-time favorite frozen food, yeah, and it's with a tear running down my cheek because they no longer make it anymore, oh my would God. be ra- Pillsbury raspberry toaster strudels. And did you actually put them in a toaster? Yes. You put them in a toaster and they mm-hmm. came with little packets of sour cream that mm-hmm. were in like a little like almost like a like a ketchup packet type thing. Yeah. And yeah. that you would you would tear the end off the little tube thing and then you would inevitably you would cover the top of it so it just looked like somebody shot a load all over the toaster strudel because it would melt mm-hmm. the sour cream. Because mm-hmm. it would be scalding molten lava hot inside. But first mm-hmm. you would take the little packet and you would put the packet in your mouth and you would suck on it to get all the extra cream out. And then you yeah. would pull the, pull the packet out way too fast, therefore slicing the sides of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Been doing this since I was like nine. And then you eat the toaster strudel and eventually burn either the roof of your mouth or you burn your tongue on it. And it's wor- it was worth it every time. They still make every flavor but raspberry, which was my favorite. And mm-hmm. To this day, they haven't made it in a couple of years. And every once in a while, I walk down the frozen food aisle just hoping that they started making them again. Like when mm-hmm. they had the, they had them on clearance mm-hmm. at one point at Publix, and I bought like eight boxes and like like nursed those boxes over several months, which you can do mm-hmm. because they're frozen. Mm-hmm. And they were delicious, and there was not a single solitary healthy thing about them at all. Didn't care. <laughs> Worth the, your, worth the yeah. worth it into my A1C. What are your thoughts on this uh tater tot? I have I have no problem with the tater tot. Okay. I have I, I'm okay with tater tots. Um 
I don't need them to be all sorts of different flavored or like with covering. Are there flavored tater anything. tots? Oh, okay. well, I mean, like I think I think there's ones where you like put the different cheeses on them, or you'd use them like mm-hmm. nachos, or you do you know that kind of thing. I just yeah. I just like a basic tater tot. I'm yeah. fine with that, and I put a little bit of Tabasco sauce on them. A little know. bit. Yeah, I guess the question I'm really getting to is, <laughs> what is your favorite like? Well, I guess these are it's a weird oxymoron here. But what is your favorite guilty pleasure meal? Where like so I guess it's maybe your least favorite. What I'm saying is the one where you're like you love it so much but after you eat it there's so much guilt that you ate this. A large general sal chicken from the oh. from the Chinese place that we go because the large is vulgar how big it is and mm-hmm. I ha- I gotten to the point now over the since I've started taking the one new medicine that kind of curbs your appetite. I, I can't eat it all at one time, but cause it is sweet and it is super spicy and it is fried and it is greasy. And inevitably after I eat it, I just kind of sit on the couch and Babalu and I look at each other and we're like, why did we do that to ourselves? Mm-hmm. Have you and Bob ever uh, had sex and full, like you guys had like a giant, like meat, like a giant, we get stuffed and then you guys, have sex no we're two fat pigs we fall asleep about 20 minutes after we eat anything like that we've uh we've probably had sex like the next morning but the problem with like chinese food or like mexican food or anything like Mm -hmm. that is you don't necessarily feel all that pretty okay the next morning you kind of have that weird like greasy hangover sort of feeling yeah let me rephrase have you ever been like oh i just no i can't feel gross and then you wake up and he's blowing you no. No. We did. Yes. That's <laughs> no, fine. I didn't mean. Gonna... To, I didn't mean to step on your joke. No, no. Well, you said, but no, I stepped on you. You said we did what? No, Monday morning, which was something we don't ever do, is we had sex before I went to work on Monday morning. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Like, like full on. Like he like topped me kind of thing you, like and you were like first, in your work clothes like your, like your name badge and everything <laughs> i had my name badge on <laughs> i had my yeah. bag really so i think i think part of it is his nephew was asleep in the living room <gasps> so it was very much that like i think i think that's kind of what like got his got his motor revving a little bit because we had to be very quiet and i'm not necessarily known for being quiet when being topped so it went you from like, you know were you buying on a pillow i had to I wasn't biting on a pillow, but there was definitely, um, I was, I was, I was, uh, not biting my inside of my lip, but my lips were very pursed, but not in the way I usually am, like where I'm judging him. Wait, wait, were you able to take a shower afterwards or did you have to go to work like with his? No, yeah, no, 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 we, no, I literally wasn't like dressed for work and had my pants down. No, it was, we woke up in the morning, kind of were all touchy touchy. And then I realized, oh, this might be happening. And I took a shower the night before and did not have general sow chicken. So I knew it was all clear for takeoff. And mm-hmm. it just kind of it just kind of happened. It was awesome. This 
this week we meet 13 new contestants all vying for the title of America's Next Drag Superstar. First, the queens take part in a messy photo shoot before heading out to an abandoned motel to grab what materials they can from former contestants turned zombies. For the runway, the category is post-apocalyptic couture. Try saying that twice, LaShawn Beyond. In the end, Sherry Needles is named the winner of the challenge, while Jiggly Caliente and Elisa Summers are placed in the bottom two. After lip-sync battle for their lives, Jiggly is told, Shantae, you stay, while Elisa Summers is asked to sashay away. Taylor, name two things you liked about the episode and one thing you did not. Um, well, this is definitely return to old-school drag race. Mm-hmm. I would say it was it was fun to watch it because it's been so long since I've seen this one that I mm-hmm. really didn't remember a whole lot about this. I remembered who was lip syncing. I remembered one of the two people that was lip syncing. Um, okay. And I was like, there was a couple people that I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot this was their season sort of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of fun just to watch that. Also, you know, we're watching this, as you said, in 2021, not 2012 when this premiered. So and I know enough about this season now to kind of watch for things and watch how how characters are interacting that I wasn't necessarily looking for that at the time. So look at watching it from this perspective is was kind of fun to watch. Well, also, you you listen to this race chaser show, correct? Yes. Yes, and so I was trying were... to avoid saying that, but yes, I listened to Race Chaser. Why? It's a well, real show. I, no, I know. And and this was definitely, it was interesting um, listening to Willem give some of the background on the season. And and so so watching it now from that perspective and also recognizing that some of the stuff, some of the iconic moments maybe were a little more manufactured than we were led to believe. <laughs> but this is this is early on where you didn't necessarily understand the machine of a reality show, what that mm-hmm. actually meant. So, but I so guess in that my regards, question, yeah. it's interesting. My question is, I don't listen to Race Chaser, not out of bitterness, I just don't listen to it. And um, But one thing I would say, based on what we've seen in the show so far, is I don't know, knowing, see, knowing what I know now about Willem... And, um, knowing about just everything, just we're, we're, we're wiser nine years later is, um, that, and we see his character already, even on this show, how much of his do you think it, it is, Na- Willem is an unreliable narrator? Like, how much do you trust what he says? Because, um, I feel like, cause I feel, is there, has there anybody who, who went on race chaser that said, well, you were kind of annoying Willem or anything like that, or, uh, th- they haven't necessarily said that. I just know that at one point on one of the episodes, they have a, where Willem and Alaska interview Fifi. Mm-hmm. And I also get that this is many, many years later, but Fifi and Willem are talking about this in the kind of like laughing and, just being sort of silly about some of the stuff to where you you didn't get that th- this season. You kind of got that they really did not like each other and were gunning for one another. The yeah. edit for Willem this episode, without getting too far ahead of things, it's clear from the beginning they were gunning for both Willem and Fifi, but in a different way for the edit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really yeah. kind of trying to paint both of them as two very distinct villains, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um but I, you know, we haven't heard anybody come out and say Willem is not 
everything Willem is saying is false. Mm-hmm. So I am taking mm-hmm. that as Willem, what Willem is saying is accurate on Race Chaser. Okay. And what was another thing you liked about the episode? I said two things. Oh, then what's the thing you didn't like? Uh, I completely forgot about Santino Rice. <laughs> I had just kind of gotten used to the fact that we haven't seen Santino in, you know, mm-hmm. at this point, like eight seasons. And mm-hmm. with him sitting there with that stupid top hat on, yeah. I just sort of went, oh, <laughs> you're back. Yeah, okay. and the stupid and with the and with insane. the weird, we're laughing too hard at everything oh. he says, and oh. it's I, th- th- this is we are in prime Michelle Visage shrill screaming laughing at this point. So yeah. it's it's that sort of stuff. It's kind of it warms the cockles of my heart, but mm-hmm. also it's nice to know that we have traveled so far from where we were. How about you? Yeah. What are your two things you like, and what thing you do not? Okay, first of all, I forgot this Elisa Summer existed. So did I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but she is such a cute boy. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I like. We only got one episode of her, but she's a very, very, very cute boy. Uh, another thing that I liked was, you know, this is probably be, this will probably be a running theme for this season. Um, but and I, I think I talked about this in season three as well. It is very interesting to see in stark contrast to what we're getting now. Girls who aren't so polished to be on Drag Race. Yes. Where, in other words, it doesn't have that wagging the dog feeling. Where, like, these are drag queens who have fully formed personalities, and they're going on a reality show called RuPaul's Drag Race. Whereas now, I feel a lot of the queens have started their drag careers after Drag Race started, and so it's fully formed to be a Glamazon robot. You know, for right. the show. And even right. even different kinds of characters, whether it's a comedy queen, whether it's a camp queen, whether it's a look queen, whatever kind of queen, it's a sh- they've created their persona custom tailored to go on RuPaul's Drag Race. It didn't ex- – like, that's the sort of thing, and I've talked about it before, that is really interesting about these early seasons is because now the girls that we – like, it is now a viable career to be a drag queen. As long as you get on RuPaul's Drag Race or maybe even Dragula now, and you will have a career making a living that you can live on being a drag queen. Okay? Mm-hmm. And at the time, even in season four, cause I don't think you hit it till like season seven, season eight, where you could do that. Season four, these are people who, and I've always thought it was super interesting, before there was ever a RuPaul's Drag Race... They were like, I am a man, and it is very looked down upon in my community, but I need to dress like a woman and put on a show. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it is a cho- and there's a certain personality that makes that choice. There's a rawness and to it. There's a rawness, and, an, and, a, and, a, and a, a, it's genuine. Yes. An, there's an authenticity to it. And yes. I think that's why you have these characters who are such interesting television characters because they had fully formed personalities before they even walked in that workroom. Like even and this is probably no, this is the second to last season of no catchphrases. But even next season they have a few, right? I, but there I, aren't really catchphrases. That's a note that I I brought up when I was when I was taking notes on the episode. Only one yeah. of the queens had a catchphrase when she walked in. Who? Milan. Oh, she did. What'd she say? Yeah. I don't remember exactly what it I was, have it. but 
I realized that no, when she came in was the was the first time because she was one, two, three, four. She was the sixth one that I was like, oh, everybody else just kind of walks in and goes, hey, girls. and Yeah. Bonjour, ladies. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I like that. And then the thing I didn't like is this, is, I, this is the first episode that I've noticed where it's the supersized, uh, you know, 90 minute episode and it didn't need to be. It and it feels didn't, stretched out. But I did look the rest. Of the, the, they're not all 90 minutes after that. No, no, they're no, no, no. 42. No. Yeah. But you also figure that, I mean, by season three, season three, it had really started to take off. And what else mm-hmm. did Logo have going on at that point? So they're going to milk no. that for everything they can. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to do the 90-minute show, which right. is watching it now on, mm-hmm. like, I have it on Apple TV. It took yeah. an hour and two minutes yeah. versus the three-hour nightmares that we have now on VH1 yeah. for for all of these seasons. So I didn't mind that as much. And I feel like mm-hmm. the rest of the season is going to go really fast because we're so used to these 90 minute episodes that 42 minute episodes are going to be nice to watch. I forgot to watch Untucked. Did you happen to watch it for this episode? No, I, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to. I wasn't sure if that was part of the assignment. Yeah, so I'll, 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 I'll check it out. So we'll, we'll talk. If, if there's something worth talking about, we'll talk about it on the next episode. I feel like there are going to be episodes where I think a lot of the Fifi and Willem stuff happens on Untucked in future episodes. So maybe we should oh, start yeah. watching it. And then also we have to – there's the um, the St. RuPaul's Best Friend race as well. Well, that was this yeah. week. Oh, it is. I'm almost positive that was – uh, maybe not. Maybe it is next week. I don't know. But I don't know. Well, we should have watched Untucked this week. I guess so. But if you heard that as clip zero, then you know I put it in post. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's talk about the workroom entrances for each of the queens. The first one to walk into the workroom is Willem, 29 years old from Los Angeles. Um, okay, so Willem, obviously one of the most famous drag queens to come out of RuPaul's Drag Race, but also one of the most uh, probably enemy public enemy number one to right. World of Wonder and RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, your thoughts seen Willem in her original premiere here? One of the most famous and most infamous of all of yeah. the Drag Race girls. Um, yeah. I, I, I remember not really liking Willem on her season. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember not being a fan and having slowly grown to really like Willem. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to Race Chaser, watching some of the YouTube clips from her, uh, from her YouTube shows. And... I just remember sort of like like watching it and watching the edit, particularly as all of the other girls were coming in and realizing mm-hmm. that she kind of decided she wanted to fuck with the producers <laughs> for yeah. the season. It wasn't going to necessarily play along with things. It's it's I'm curious what my feelings on her will be throughout the rest of the season, knowing what I know now about her. Mm-hmm. Um, similar thoughts could be thought said for another queen that's coming down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh but I also thought, talk about somebody who's had a glow up as far as makeup and everything. For as much as they mm-hmm. talked about her, be- you know, her beard and her five o'clock shadow mm-hmm. throughout the show, and I never really noticed it before. You can definitely notice it now. Plus, her makeup style is completely different than what it was. Yeah, um, I, I like you found Willem very annoying when she first on the first season, and it's weird. I have a very complicated relationship with my feelings about Willem. I told you, I've, I've. I don't want to say met because I've never had a proper person to person conversation with Willem. Um, but, uh, I have 
been to events where Will, Willem's hosting the event or whatnot and encountered him a few times, three or four times, right? And has, I've always been very um, surprised by how personable and great he is uh, in those intimate situations. Does it, it doesn't have the sort of, <coughs> it seems very, I know seems unapproachable on here, but I think, um, and it, it, I don't know if this is still the case, but when he used to do the shows, you know, but before Race Chaser would roller skate around the floor and talk to everybody and make sure everyone was doing okay and was very, very friendly. And so I've seen that. And so I know that side of Willem, but um, it's still the, the persona on the show is very obnoxious. Yeah, and so I, I would agree with you on odd. that. Willem is somebody who I have grown to appreciate over the years because it is very clear that Willem is very smart, mm-hmm. too, and very, very quick with the wit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he sometimes goes to the, you know, the, the lowest, lowest hanging fruit as far as the mm-hmm. jokes. But when he will sometimes say something that is really you don't expect him to say, it's it can be very, very funny. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. All right. Next in the room, we have LaShawn Beyond. She's 21 years old from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. How far is Fort Lauderdale from you? Fort Lauderdale is probably about three, four hours. Oh, okay. Okay. Is it south or north or what is it? South. South. Southeast. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Central West. They're southeast. Oh, interesting. uh, LaShawn Beyond, she walks in the room. Your thoughts? Uh, it was, this was really the first time that I realized, even though she's only the second one, that Willem kind of came in in a, in a just outfit you would get at the mall, whereas mm-hmm. it felt like we had a definite mix of girls who came in in true drag and girls who came in just sort of, you know, I'm a natural woman kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is another example of those girls. We didn't know to expect that you had to have some designer make the an opening entrance outfit at that point, that it was definitely something where you could just kind of come in, uh, you know, as who you are, your authentic drag self. Mm-hmm. And um, that was kind of refreshing. But LaShawn came in and I think like a gold bodysuit with black boots and some like really high hair. And I mean, LaShawn's sort of one of those that, I know that I know the line, you know, this is not RuPaul's best friend race from mm-hmm. the old Untucks, but I could never remember LaShawn's name. What's funny is apart from a few of the moments today is I couldn't, there, I, it's, it's really hard to like, uh, place LaShawn even now. Like I'm just like, yeah. there's not much, unfortunately, not much to, from what we've seen so far in the show, not much to her. So, yeah. sorry, Lashawn. Yeah, I, in fact, I could, what did she wear? What, she, what did she wear when she walked in? She wore it was like a gold bodysuit with, and she had really tall hair that I want to say had like mm-hmm. a ring in the top of it. Mm-hmm. And I I'm feel like her she had on like bla- she had like black boots. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me pull her up. Let me see. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, she has her hair like yeah, you're right into like a, a, a ring on top of her head. Yeah, which is actually a very interesting look. But it's just, again, it's just a bodysuit with like a like a, a swimsuit over it or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Next into the workroom, we have Jiggly Caliente, thirty years old from Queens, New York. Uh, all right. Well, Jiggly Caliente, a uh, very famous drag queen from this show. We she just wrapped up her run in All Star Six. Your thoughts on Jiggly Caliente? Uh, I loved the dress. 
the black mm-hmm. dress with the, I think it was cherries on it. And she seems, she, she seemed very much of the, where she had a big heart. Yeah. Uh, so, and just seemed very kind of unsure of herself, which I feel like mm-hmm. we saw that throughout the, throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And for possible reasons that we've since know, we know now may be part of the reason why, but it, she was, she was enjoyable to watch. But I think mm-hmm. that I really, le- I was never a big fan of hers the first time mm-hmm. that I watched, but having watched her on All Stars and mm-hmm. watched her be with other queens, like in some of their music videos or being interviewed and things like that, I've really grown to appreciate her more as a performer. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to enjoy watching her on season four more than I did the first time around. Yeah, she definitely has that quality that you can't take your eyes off of her. You want to pay attention to her. And there's something that seems very vulnerable about yes. her, which therefore makes her very likable. Um, all right, another one. Next into the work of another very famous uh, queen to come out of this show. Fifi O'Hara, 25 years old, from Chicago, Illinois. Um, your thoughts on one of the most famous villains in the history of the show, Fifi O'Hara. Your thoughts here on Fifi, Taylor. This is another example, like I was talking about with Willem, that I feel like it's going to be hard to separate the stories that we know mm-hmm. versus what they are portraying on the show. Yeah, because I mean, they're pretty much starting from the beginning with the snarky side comments and the interviews of where she's saying shitty things about people and and that sort of thing. And I also know that from interviews that she's done um, and that the other girls have talked about that she doesn't necessarily the producers (laughs) really kind of decided they wanted to keep her as a villain so how much Mm -hmm. of this is producer manipulation versus how much of this is just kind of who she is so you know whereas at the time this was a season that i watched with um my friend's daughter who was this is 2012 uh, she was about 10 or 11 at the time, and she mm-hmm. was so scared that Fifi was going to win at the end of the season. Like she would, ha- she and I would have conversations about Fifi O'Hara and how much she didn't like her because she just completely bought into that whole villain edit. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, so did I. Yeah. So did many of us. Mm hmm. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I think mm-hmm. that, um, uh, Fifi, you know, probably has some villainous. I, I think it's one of these things where she's probably a good person, but in high pressure situations, turns into a villain. If that well, makes any and, sense. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen that Fifi has done a ton for charity work for particularly mm-hmm. um, Puerto Rico after the hurricanes, and she. I, I'm not trying to say that she's a bad person, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, you you know, if you give the producers something. Juicy, they're gonna work with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Next in the workroom, we have Madame Laqueer, twenty-nine years old from Puerto Rico. Your thoughts on Madame Laqueer? Uh, I don't really have a lot of thoughts about Madame Laqueer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was not one of my favorites on her season. Yeah. Um. I. I she's. I don't know. It's weird because she's kind of one that's... that I was like, "Oh, you're here." Yeah, there's something just inherently unlikable about her when you just see her. And I don't know, maybe she's a very nice person. Uh, I know a lot of the queens like her. She lives in L.A. now. Um, 
And I know she does a lot of shows around here now, and she does it with a lot of queens, and they seem to be very friendly with her. And uh, But I just, there's something about her, I'm just like, ugh, I don't like. I don't know why. And uh, I, I, she's done nothing on the show so far. Maybe I, I remember I remember things that she does and says. Uh, and so I'm like, ugh, you know. But um, yeah, so far, just even, but even now she's a big nothing that I have a negative opinion about. Mm-hmm. All right, before we take a break, one more person. Milan, 36 years old, from New York City. Uh, now, she's gone on since uh, the show to do some acting. I think she was an actress before, but now she has continued to do acting since the show. One of the mo- more successful actors from the show. Uh, your thoughts on Milan when she came in? I love the outfit. I love mm-hmm. the, the suit with the hat. Um, mm-hmm. She was the first one with a catchphrase. Yeah. And she, I know that she does some very interesting things. She's sort of a, you know, a uh, innovator with, I think, sort of the gender bending that we'll mm-hmm. see on the show that was su- sort of poo pooed at the time, similar yeah. to Alaska, you know, doing kind of boy drag. We're going to see mm-hmm. some of that with her. So I, mm-hmm. she, she is, while she is not somebody that may be considered one of the most successful queens from drag race or for successful mm-hmm. drag race queens, she is an innovator in that regards. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, very good. Well, why don't we use this? Why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we'll discuss the remaining half of the contestants. We'll be back right after this. Uh, next into the workroom, we have Elisa Summers, 23, from Tampa, Florida. Uh, a, a contestant I completely forgot existed. Completely forgot existed. Yep. And um, I was like, who is this person? Like, literally, she walked in like, who is this? <laughs> and what's funny is she has a quote she's where she's like, where? She's oh, from I, here? <laughs> I know. And what's funny is she has a quote at some point in the episode, might be here, where she's like, everybody's going to know who I am now that I'm on this show. I'm like, no. No one – I have no memory of her. I don't even know if she's still doing drag. I don't know anything about her. Taylor, your thoughts on Elisa Summers from Tampa – from Tampa, Florida. Yeah, you're right. She's from That's there. what I'm saying. When she said yeah. Tampa, Florida, I was like, oh, shit, she's one of my local girls, and I don't know who yeah. she is. Yeah. Um, I feel like she's – I thought I heard that she's not doing drag anymore. But mm-hmm. she basically, I – knew somebody was going home first and mm-hmm. then when she walked in i went okay <laughs> mm-hmm. so because i knew i knew that jiggly didn't go home mm-hmm. so i knew it had to be somebody else because i remember all of the other girls performing in other uh other challenges during the season which is it weird that they seem to show like the entire season in that first 90 seconds where they showed clips from just about everything, including yeah. up to the finale before they went to the live finale. Yeah. Where she says, we're doing something different. You know, the winner that we're doing something different, the different. So I thought that was interesting. But um, I, yeah, I mean, she looks very of that time with the short, choppy Karen. Can mm-hmm. I speak to your manager haircut with the mm-hmm. shocking pink? And uh, I mean, she, cute as a boy. That's really kind of all I have to say about her. Yeah, there's not much to say about her. All right, next. And this is going to really, you know, I don't like to interview drag queens on this show. I don't like to have them because I like to be an impartial observer of this show. 
But, you know, like I said, Taylor, I call balls and strikes. So, I know Dieter Ritz listens. So, yeah. uh... I've thought Dieter about Ritz. that. <laughs> yeah. Dieter Ritz, 25, Chicago, Illinois, came in and said, Bonjour, ladies. Uh, Taylor, your thoughts on everything Dieter Ritz? I loved Dieter Ritz during her season. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're not going to say anything that she hasn't heard before mm-hmm. during the season. The wig was a little thirsty. The, the wig, wig was Oh, my God. The wig was fucking parched. Yeah. <laughs> Donna Sugars would have lost her. her motherfucking mind. <laughs> Yes, yeah. But I mean, just just uh, I I enjoyed her. She had really good energy walking in. She definitely she came is. in prepared for the. You know what? Let's go. Let's hit the ground, fucking running. And, and, and in and, that regard, I, w- I enjoy that. I appreciate that. And I will say the editor so far are using her as one of the narrators, and she does seem to have a very positive energy. Elisa says her makeup's busted, but I didn't get. I didn't see any. I sense didn't get of that, that at all. But the wig, I, girl. Yeah, the wig was the wig was not great. And yeah. amazing bone structure. <laughs> she has amazing bone and structure. flawless skin. Okay, Taylor, calm down. <laughs> All right. Next we have the princess uh, a reserved extrovert, 32 years old from Chicago, Illinois. You're th- she now I will say the princess is often one of the butts of our jokes whenever we go to, you know, I feel season 4 a lot of those contestants like Elisa Summer and you know, Madame Laqueer and the princess are go-to drag queens that people forgot. Uh, but the princess, she came in uh, to the workroom. Your thoughts, Taylor? Not not a fan. I remember. But, but why? Again, I, I just, I remember not necessarily. I have a thing. I'm not a fan of like chest plate tattoos. Okay. And particularly as we've talked about. On the various seasons of the show, I am mm-hmm. all about female illusion. Like I want it to be where I look at somebody and go, "That's a woman." Mm-hmm. And I guess, particularly at that time, you didn't really see a lot of tattoos on women, particularly on like breast plates, you know, or, or chest plates, whatever. Now you see it a lot more. Now it's a lot more prevalent on women. But back mm-hmm. then, so I think that I was always distracted by that. I was distracted by the tattoos. I was distracted by. Just she just looked like she looked to me like a guy in a dress compared to some of the other queens who looked like women, and I I just it took away from that, and I don't she because she is sort of the butt of many of the jokes on the show, um you know but yours is always the princess mine is always Nicole Page Brooks that's who we always mm-hmm. kind of go to for that sort of thing, mm-hmm. I guess I've also got that in my head. Like when we're watching it, that she's been somebody that we've kind of made fun of as a queen that you don't hear of anymore. So I just sort of was like, okay. But don't you think she's kind of a precursor to that sort of androgynous yes. sort of Yes. Yes. And and I mean, you know, I get I get she she crawled so that Cameron Michaels could walk kind of mm-hmm. thing. Where I mean it yeah. is definitely where you see that more and more where queens have tattoos are covered in tattoos. Just mm-hmm. that I don't remember that necessarily being the thing. Even like the girls, you know, they were real fishy back then. If they had a tattoo, there was something about that that I was kind of like, oh, a real girl wouldn't have that, which is a stupid thing to say. And I get that. But we're talking about me from 10 years ago watching the show versus now I'm a little bit more, you know, inclusive and open minded about things like that. Yeah. That being said, right. still don't like her. Yeah. Next, 21 years old from Puerto Rico, we have the little midget, Kenya Michaels. <laughs> I was waiting to see if you would say that. 
I, talk about a natural woman. I mean, mm-hmm. she looks, she is probably the most feminine looking queen that has ever been on the show, or at the very least in the top couple of them. She's in the top few. I mean, Stacey Lane Matthews could give her a run for her money. and Yeah, uh, no, I would, I would say that as well. But I mean, definitely a little ball energy. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, not necessarily the greatest fashion choices, but whatever. I never got the Kenya Michaels business. Like I didn't. And William seems to be sort of enamored with her in a very peculiar kind of way. But uh, I never, I never got it. Um. All right. Next. Happy. Oh, she comes in. and She says, "Morning, bitches." But Chad Michaels, forty from Los Angeles. Your thoughts? I mean, Chad is a legend. I mean, Chad mm-hmm. walked in like Chad was a legend, and. Mm-hmm you know that there is where Chad was kind of walking around, like saying hi to everybody and everything. Mm -hmm. And Chad, Chad was the only one that Willem seemed shook about Mm -hmm. or seemed very kind of like, you know, I hope nobody's doing share because this is the legend right here. And Mm -hmm. and said something along those lines. So that to me was interesting to see that, you know, they all seemed to know who Chad was and seemed kind of, you know, excited that she was going to be on this season. Well, you know, thing too. I think when I think she lives in San Diego now, but I think she always did. But she primarily performed in L.A. at the time. And I think she booked a lot of shows. I think she was a big booker, so that the drag yeah. queens would obviously know her because she booked a lot of shows in Southern California. Uh, next, I mean, this is uh, this these next few is like yeah, it's sort of the most iconic people from the show. Sharon Needles, twenty nine from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, came in and said, "I I look spooky, but I'm really nice." Uh, Sharon Needles, your thoughts here? One of the most iconic queens from the show. Well, I mean, this is one of of the most important ones. And somebody who I remember thinking their first time thinking this is something very different than we've seen, even though she kind of came off glamoury, but with the witch hat and the black dress and the very dark makeup, let Mm -hmm. alone what we would see later on in the episode, it felt very, um, like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting. This is going to be something. Plus, the name was really kind of, I feel like, one of the first play on words that we've seen, like the Sharon Needles, uh, mm-hmm. that we hadn't necessarily seen that yet. I remember an article on Edit from Entertainment Weekly where they would talk about who the new queens were going to be for season four and them talking about the name Sharon Needles. So um, that you, she, you already kind of knew that you already heard the name before the season even started, let alone mm-hmm. the looks. Now, you know, we do learn some, like, she's one of the most important queens. It, it changes the show in a way that the show's never, I don't even think, been the same since. But we do learn that she's been very problematic since as well. Yes. I know Dita Ritz has said that she frequently used the N-word off camera. Uh, there have been some problems with just abusive behavior towards young people, old people, racism, uh, alcohol issues, drug issues. There's a lot of baggage that comes with Sharon Needles. But, uh, yeah, so, but it was very interesting to see a very important queen from the show walking through the door. Speaking of, one of the most influential queens on the show, Miss Latrice Royale, 30 year, 39 years old, I'm sorry, walked in and said, eat it, and describes herself as large and in charge, chunky yet funky, bold and beautiful. She is Latrice Royale. Taylor, your thoughts? I love Latrice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I loved Latrice from the second she walked into the show. Mm-hmm. I just remember we hadn't at that point mm-hmm. truly seen 
someone who was that big and owned it the way that she did someone who was a a large person of color that just Mm kind of walked in and said, this is who I am and Mm -hmm. immediately seemed to be where, as she was hugging people and people seemed genuinely excited to see her, the Mm -hmm. other Queens. I remember like her hugging a lot of the other Queens and being, you know, where she was excited to see other people and things like that. And you Mm -hmm. just immediately, I feel like there was felt like there was an immediate connection there was an immediate mm-hmm. connection to her that maybe we didn't necessarily see with the other Queens. And as just somebody who's, I just feel like with very few exceptions has been really, truly loved. She's one of the most beloved Queens of the entire series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She has that charisma. She has that uniqueness. She has the nerve and she has the talent, but she's definitely the total package and is great yes. television. And there is something very endearing about her where you want to love her. And people have written think pieces about this, but uh, yeah, very, very important queen from the show. All right, let's move on. Just as the girls are getting to know each other, RuPaul enters the workroom to launch this week's mini challenge. The girls will pose for a, totally toxic photo spread while the pit crew sprays the queens with hazardous waste many of the queens fall flat in their faces but in the end jiggly caliente is named the winner of the challenge next rupaul announces a surprise the pit crew wheels out shangela much to the horror of the other contestants the pit crew stuffs her back in the box and wheels her out before rupaul leaves she tells the girls that the next day will be a living nightmare the next day uh, the in drag, the, the, oh, sorry, the queens in drag meet Rue at an abandoned motel. Rue announces that there are zombies at this motel. Conveniently, many of the zombies are former contestants. The girls will have three minutes to wrestle materials away from the drag queen zombies. After the competition, we see the zombies eat Shangela alive. Taylor Vellante Boy, all your thoughts and everything that happened after the workroom entrances, all the way to going back to the workroom. I miss these early mini challenges of where mm-hmm. they immediately take them and do something fun with them. Whether I know we had a wind machine, I think mm-hmm. for season two, I don't remember what they did for season three, but mm-hmm. the spinning the girls in this one, um, I know season five, they dunked them all in water. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a fun, quick way to kind of, you know, get this, get the race going, see what the girls are made of. And I, it was fun to watch this. Um, the dress mm-hmm. was not flattering to anyone, the weird mm-hmm. baby doll dress that came under the boobs, but I get that they were doing it for the effect of the paints and, and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and I feel like it was a little more dangerous than some of the other ones were, but whatever. Um, Shangela coming out was kind of a funny thing in that looking at the looks on some of the girls faces was where you said the horror of seeing it, that there mm-hmm. was definitely that, like, you've got to be fucking kidding me sort of thing. Yeah. So the fact that they then stuffed her in a box and then sent her away was, was good. Um, did you get the sense why Jiggly won? Was there any rhyme or reason why Jiggly won? I was surprised by that because I don't remember necessarily Jiggly's photo being all that yeah. interesting. Yeah. I feel like there was somebody else's and I can't remember whose it was. But mm-hmm. um, but I but that's maybe everybody else's was sort of forgettable. Whereas she did mm-hmm. the best, you know. She seemed she seemed to take direction really well. So maybe that's why she got it because her picture just seemed all the pictures did seem sort of like everybody else's. Mm-hmm. 
Now, what did you think of this day drag scene where the former contestants came out as zombies? There were actually only, I looked this time, only a few of them were former contestants. A lot of them yes. were just like extras or something. Yeah. But the former contestants were the one that had the, the articles of clothing they could steal from. What were your thoughts seeing them? What did you think of this bit? What, what were your thoughts here? Well, they all look like hookers walking into the hotel. Mm-hmm. It was they There was not a great... You know, day drag from what we've heard is very, very hard to pull off. But mm-hmm. I liked the fact that it was a set that was very different from what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, the production value I thought was pretty good, given that this was a relatively low budget show at the time. Um, I I thought that it was it was a fun way to do what they've done in the past with other challenges similar to this. I know they did one with Drape season two. Um I feel like they're they're I know they did the dumpster diving thing for season five. This was this was a fun thing to do. And also kind of you see where they're starting to plant the seeds of a, almost like a continuity of a of a mm-hmm. universe, as it were, yeah. where by bringing back the other girls and having it where they're, they, they, they you're recognizing at this point that these girls are a part of a larger world by bringing yeah. in some of the old queens. All right, let's move on. Back in the workroom, the girls grab more supplies. Kenya twerks and LaShawn makes noise, splits the earth in two, and struggles to pronounce this week's category. Uh, on the table visits, uh, the princess made an outfit that doesn't fit the theme. Sharon Needle shares her inspirations. LaShawn Beyond is baffled by the challenge. Finally, Latrice Royale reveals that she spent 18 months in a federal prison. A lot happened in this table visits. Taylor, any big thoughts here? The two thoughts that I had were the princess's ballerina look. Mm-hmm. I think that if she had stayed with that mm-hmm. and just kind of distressed it in some way, mm-hmm. that was kind of a cool story for like a ballerina at the end of the world and what a ballerina mm-hmm. at the end of the world would look like. I thought yeah. that would be really interesting instead of the nautical thing that she came up with for hers. I didn't really get that. The only other note I had for this for this act was the conversation with Latrice that mm-hmm. while it was definitely very producer producer manufactured of RuPaul asking a question so that the only possible answer she could say is when I went to prison and my mother died. Um, I thought that this is part of the reason why I think people love Latrice as much because I wrote down there was a maturity in the way that she was talking to Rue. It wasn't mm-hmm. like some of the other girls where they're looking up to Rue. It felt mm-hmm. very peer-to-peer talking. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a heart to what Latrice was saying. And I also thought there was a humility in getting on, you know, within the first you know episode of the show saying, yeah, I was in prison for 18 months. I did some stupid things and it cost me the ability to go see my mother, go to my mother's funeral. And mm-hmm. it's one of the biggest regrets of my life to be able to talk about that, but not do it in a mirror moment way. You know, mm-hmm. she could have gone the mirror moment route that mm-hmm. we've seen other girls go that we've seen, I think, as you were talking about before, if this conversation happened and Latrice was on a season 13 or 14, it would have been turn on the waterworks because mm-hmm. we know now that that's what Rue beats off to is, yeah. the, you know, she uses the tears of drag queens as loop kind of thing. And mm-hmm. th- at this point, this was this seems more genuine than I think we would have seen had this happened in a future season. And mm-hmm. Latrice benefits for lack of a better word from it because i think it makes us want to root for latrice even more yeah yeah the question rue asked her was in the lines of like it was really really contrived like hi latrice have you ever lost everything in a and it seemed like the world was ending it's something like that isn't it yeah. like 
Yeah, it was have something very. Yeah. We're gonna, no we're one gonna else box is. you into a corner so that you have to say the word prison. And I feel like Latrice makes a face like, "Oh, okay, we're doing this now." All yes. right, yes, <laughs> yeah. That, that that is something where she was like, "Oh, you want to know? Okay, yeah." All right, guess we're doing this. All right, it's elimination day. The girls get ready for the runway. Jiggly shares that she lost her mom. The princess overhauled her outfit. Fifi thinks Sharon's outfit is the weakest. Meanwhile, Lisa Summers just finished probation for a DUI. Uh, it seems to be Jiggly is sort of the star of this elimination day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn about her. We get her story that she's lost her mom, that, uh, she misses her mom and the mom was ill and, and then fled yeah. fairly quickly. Uh, and, and that's a story, a part of her, her story that I didn't remember actually. So it was yeah. interesting to see that. And, and, but what are your thoughts? Um, that was the only part that was really interesting to me that, mm-hmm. that she was able to sort of talk mm-hmm. about that. And, mm-hmm. you know, as someone who's lost a parent, Mm-hmm. Um, it is, which I hadn't lost and my father was still alive when the shit, he died, I think two years later, you mm-hmm. know, but recognizing that you, we don't have, you know, we, we're not pro- guaranteed time as we mm-hmm. are li- living in 2021. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, we're not, we are not guaranteed anything. So the mm-hmm. fact that she was able to kind of reconcile some of that with her mom towards the end made me happy for Jiggly. Yeah. The only other thought that I had about this particular segment was how excited Sharon was that Elvira was the guest judge. Where oh, she yeah, seemed that she seemed was. that seemed genuinely that was very similar to a um uh widow Von Du finding out that Shaka Khan was the was gonna be the judge, you know, judge. Who would be okay. your celebrity that if they said this person's gonna be in the judge? Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Really? If it was t- if they said Tina Turner is the guest, I would immediately start to cry. No, you would not. No, yes, I would. Yes, I would. I feel like if I had a chance to meet Tina Turner at this point, I would probably cry. Well, I have never heard it before. When did this become a thing? Tina Turner is somebody that I have always looked up to. That you have? She was, yes, she is somebody who I. She she is probably one of my first true gay icons. Um, well, like this when, is the first I'm ever hearing of this. I don't because when was the last time Tina Turner came out with an album? I mean, I don't necessarily talk about her that much. And she also seems like somebody, you know, like like the go to would be like Madonna. But I feel like Madonna is so man, like she so thinks about everything she says before she says it that I wouldn't feel like it would be. I I feel like the illusion of a genuine conversation would not work, but I feel like having a conversation with Tina Turner and having it be genuine. Like that's always been the go-to answer as far as if you could have dinner with anybody who would have been Tina Turner. When Tina Turner dies, I don't know what I'm going to be like when she dies. You really? Yeah. That song is the best. (laughs) This is not one of my favorite Tina Turner songs, but this is a great song. What is one of your favorite Tina Turner songs? Oh, I mean, What's Love Got to Do With It is an amazing mm-hmm. song. Um, uh, God, Let's Stay Together. Her version of Let's Stay Together. Actually, I think her version of Let's No, no, what am I thinking? Better Be Good to Me. Better Be Good to Me is my all-time favorite Tina Turner song. So Better Be Good to Me is one of the songs that if they ever did that as a lip sync for your life, I would lose my fucking mind. Really? Yes, yes. I know within the first 20 seconds of them playing it, you would be texting me going, you are, you are 
just freaking out right now. I know you're freaking out watching this. Better Be Good to Me well, is such a great song and such a great song to do as a drag song. Oh my God, the fact that they have never done it. Have they ever well, done a I Tina think, Turner song? They, they've only done Tina Turner doing a cover of like, Sat- is it Bitches Back or Saturday Night Live's All Right for Fighting or something like that? Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting? Something she did, did a cover of an Elton. Yeah, it's a Tina Turner of an Elton John song. Well, she, she the did o- uh, the bitches back because she did the that for back. a album of where a bunch of different artists did uh, uh, Elton John cover songs. Because I yeah, have that. They did CD. that. They did that. I can't remember what. C- I think was it Celebrity Drag Race or something like that. But they, yeah, I think they struggled. That, yeah, but that doesn't count. I mean, you, no, you well, get RuPaul. a couple of. RuPaul's a huge Tina Turner fan, so you know it's a rights issue. They would they would do a Tina Turner song every season if RuPaul had a choice. Oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And at this point, they would never have her on because she's basically retired. Did you watch that that documentary on her on HBO? No, no. I cannot recommend this documentary enough. Okay, don't. All right, now it's time for <laughs> the looks. Uh, this week the uh the the, the category is post apocalyptic couture. Uh, Taylor, do you have the list of people in front of you? I have the list in front of me. I All don't right. have the looks in front of me, but I can... I can send them to you. That's very simple to do. Our producer, okay. Zach. Uh, I'm going to send you the little message thing. I hope it works. Um, our producer, Zach, has posted the looks. Okay. And, uh, there you go. Oh, you might oh, need to be I added need... to the... Yeah. I, I, I don't need have contr- access. And I don't have control over that, so I don't have that to tell you. Okay, well then I will just I can just give my thoughts if you want to describe the looks or not. Okay, all, all right. right, and you, I you can tell the, you. What, okay, I can that's, tell a my notes that's a good point. And I'll describe the look. Okay. I like that. All right. Who's first down the runway? I don't know. Willem. Oh, Willem. Okay, Willem is wearing like a fro and like black. On top and maybe a whip. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to see here. Oh, like little yeah, shorts. Boots. Yeah, like little shorts. Yeah. Okay. All I wrote was eh, and that I liked the hair. It was a very different hair than we've seen yeah, on Willem. <laughs> and I liked the, and I liked the effect with the umbrella that didn't have any panels on it. Yeah, it's like Bernadette at Peters and what's that movie she did with Andy Kaufman? Heartbeats. Oh God! <laughs> heart heart beeps, yeah. Heart beeps. No, heart yeah. beeps, yeah. <laughs> no one has talked about that movie in forty years. Well, now I'm the first. All right, who's next down the runway? Next down the runway was Fifi O'Hara. Um, okay, Fifi O'Hara. Oh, okay, she's like red and like a cape. Oh yeah, she had like the mesh fencing for a cape and. Yes. These pictures are very tiny. I can really not really make them out. And like, well, uh, and it's pink. It's not red. It's, it's oh, it a is. lot of like camouflage colors or a lot of very much like browns and greens. But then there is a hot pink aspect to it. I do remember that. Okay. This possibly was my favorite look of all of them. And I was really, really surprised, as was Fifi, that she was safe. She is part of a group of girls here that I feel like were. In another world, they were like an apocalyptic, apopaloptic girl group. And she Mm -hmm. would be one of the singers of the girl group. We're going to talk about Mm -hmm. some of the other girls down the line. But Mm -hmm. this was was probably my favorite look of the night. 
All right, very good. All right, who's next down the runway? Next down the run- runway was LaShawn Beyond. LaShawn Beyond. Okay, she has a globe on her head. Yes, and like a she big has the- thing. She- yeah, she has a she has a full length gown on that looks like it's made out of tarp, and then she just had uh, junk on junk on junk on junk uh, up on top of her head, and it was uh, it was a what I refer to as a great mess. Um, because it was definitely messy, but I really liked the silhouette. I thought the silhouette was really cool, but as far as the execution of it, not super great. All right, very good. Uh, next down the runway, we have who? We have Chad Michaels, and I liked Chad's look, um, but I thought that Chad would be another member of this girl group that Fifi is a part of. So yeah, she has, very much she also has like, yeah, that Brett, that mesh, but this time it's like more like a tail. Right, and it seemed like a lot of bodysuits. It was yeah. just sort of a lot of bodysuits with stuff sort of like thrown on top of them. Which again, yeah. we know this is an early season because later seasons they would never be allowed to get away with that. Yeah. All right, next. Next was the princess, who I know came out in like a blue and white nautical thing with orange oh, inner yeah. tubes and Weird it was trying shoes. to say some sort of water world, which I've never yeah. seen that movie, so... Mm-hmm. I didn't get the reference. Of, I know what the movie's about, but mm-hmm. I didn't get it at all. All right. Next. Next was um, Kenya Michaels, who came out dressed like a phoenix. Mm-hmm. Or she came out with some like weird red bird thing, and she had on like sequined diaper sort of thing. It yeah. just was not a good look. I wrote down, didn't meet the assignment, didn't understand yeah. the assignment. And I also thought it was funny that because they were playing... Um, Glamazon, and they chose for her to play the part. She's so bloody tall. <laughs> they, they, they like stopped. Everybody stopped talking, and that was the part that she was walking with. It when she's so bloody tall. So I thought I wrote that like, oh, that was a funny little. Uh, some producer thought that was very humorous to do that. Yeah, for her. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, not. I didn't quite get the look, and I understand why she was in the bottom three. Mm-hmm. Uh. All right. Who's next? Next was Latrice Royale. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't remember what the look looked like. I feel like it was kind of similar to the, the, the netting. Um, yeah. But the netting, and, like, like there was a skirt. skirt mm-hmm. And I just wrote it needed polish. It just seemed yeah. very sloppy. Yeah. And big uh, knee-high boots, like lace yeah. boots. Yeah. Um, next was Alicia, Alisa Summers, and I just wrote very boring. The the mm, actual when she was doing when she was when Rue was doing the table visits, the actual the main part of the body body the the suit or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, that could look really really cool. Yeah. But I'm thinking to myself, why can't I remember that? And now I know why because it was very very boring. It well, the thing is, and it, it's funny because she's even behind. She, like, did you even watch season three? She was still season one or two, thinking that being fishy and a look queen was that, that, that everything else could go out the window as long as like there are these queens. India Farrah was like this too. That they buy this breastplate and they just think the breastplate is like their ticket to the finale. Yeah. And so it was all about the breastplate. And then there was something else she did. Oh, her lip sync. It was like, it was, yeah, she was just, she was living in another season. Yeah. You know, that's like, a, that's a girl. great way to describe her. Yeah, absolutely. The show has evolved. Yeah. Yes. And it, and it evolved. She was maybe one of the first ones that it really evolved past her. Yeah, it evolved past her. 
Okay. Um, okay, who's next? Next is Milan. And I remember Milan, it was like a pink dress and she had big hair. Um, but she was sort of, the outfit was very distressed looking. And I thought it looked very Halloween to me. Like, like, yeah, costume. it does. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, next is Jiggly Caliente, who uh-huh. came out wearing everything that she could oh glue God. to an outfit. I mean, mm-hmm. I just wrote iconic. That's not necessarily a good thing. It's just yeah. iconic. I mean, this yeah. is this is th- this dress was made so that La La Ree's, you know, bag ball outfit <laughs> yeah. could exist. It's mm-hmm. bad. It's, it's just a mess. It's yeah. it's so horrible. It's wonderful. Yeah. You're right. Um, I agree. It comes next full circle. Is, next is Dita Ritz. And mm-hmm. Dita came out. Um, I said that she's another one who could be part of that girl group of yeah. all of the girls who wore like the netting and the camouflage mm-hmm. type outfit and everything like that. And I, she had the most beautiful, shiny black lipstick that mm-hmm. was, I, that was the thing that really kind of got me as far as her makeup. I thought that really mm-hmm. popped. So that was my, that was my favorite part of Dita's whole look was the black lipstick. All right. Who's next? Next is Madame Laqueer. I do not remember a single thing about her outfit. Uh, it's just like a basic, like, something you would see, like, maybe Mrs. Kasha Davis wearing. Like, I don't even know why she wasn't in the bottom, because I don't know what was post-apocalyptic about this. Uh, it just seemed like an like a post-apocalyptic going out for a night on Broadway kind of thing, or a night on the town. Like Okay. Uh, it seems she has the netting as well, but she's fashioned it over like a, a mini skirt. And but it looks like I, I, these pictures are very small. So from what I can tell, then she has some sort of like stylish wig. It, it, it doesn't really. It, I guess it's kind of the theme because she has netting, but it doesn't. I don't know. I, I, I think it was really skirting the line of being uh, right for the show. Like a leopard print. Yeah. All right, who's who's oh, so you didn't remember who, who's next? Sharon. Sharon is the last one to come out and gave us this iconic moment with yeah. the with the blood capsule in her. But even just without the blood capsule, I think that's what sent her over the top. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is definitely this outfit was really well executed. But but it, but it's an example of how if you're going to do something simple, do it perfectly. And mm-hmm. I feel like Sharon executed that. Well, I think when I was watching this live 10 years ago, I was like, oh, the show has changed. Yeah. The show has changed. The show has now forever changed with this outfit. This is not something you'd ever seen come down the runway before. You know? I mean, th- this is, I would say to some degree, it's because of Sharon mm-hmm. that we can have a show like Dragula. Because yes. Sharon at this point has shown the masses that this is something that they would want to see. And that's not to say that the Boulay brothers haven't obviously worked for decades before. But I mean, mm-hmm. I think that this is something where they saw this and realized, oh, we could do something like this for queens that are all about goth and horror and and all of that sort of thing. Well, I think the Boulays for a long time worked hard to get away from that shadow because that was something that was constantly compared. Oh, it's just Sharon Needles or you're copying Sharon Needles. And I think they have now done it, but I think it took them a few seasons. All right, Taylor. Well, that it, those are the looks. The looks. All right. On the main stage, RuPaul announces that Sharon Needles is the winner of this week's challenge. Meanwhile, Jiggly Caliente and Elisa Summers are placed in the bottom two, forcing them to duke it out in a lip sync battle for their lives. The song 
Toxic by Britney Spears. In the end, Jiggly lived to see another day while Lisa Summers was asked, well, was the first queen to be asked, to sashay away. Taylor the Latte Boy, any final thoughts on the episode? Your thoughts on the lip sync? Give it to us now. I thought the lip sync, I thought Jiggly, Jiggly definitely deserved to win that lip sync. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought like Alisa, Alicia is, uh, just Alisa was, Alisa was, mm-hmm. well, either way, Alisa was a subpar as far as her lips, lip sync goes. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got a very timely pop cultural reference twice in this episode mm-hmm. where Rue brought up honey badgers, which that <laughs> was a thing back then. 10 years ago. Honey, yeah. honey badger don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, I also thought that the whole idea of is there anything you would like to say to the judges is something that I found oddly refreshing because we don't see that anymore. I totally forgot mm-hmm. that she used to do that. And again, you would never let she would never let that happen now because it's mm-hmm. become so controlled on the rails of what they expect that I feel like that we would never be allowed to have an opportunity to have that be where that's kind of the standard of, all right, we've said everything we have to say. Do you have anything you'd like to say to us? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what's funny is uh, when she eliminated Elisa Summers, she, this might be the only time that I know, maybe there are other examples, but this is the only time that I know of. Maybe she did in seasons one or two. We haven't covered that yet. Um, where it's usually the safe queen is announced first. And yes. then the eliminated queen is announced second. She said Elisa Summers first and eliminated her. And that was unusual. It's very, very, yes. very rare to see that. Uh, at least for me, because I'm working backwards. Um, the lip sync, uh, Elisa Summers did terrible. Probably one of the worst lip syncs I ever did. Like, she didn't even try. But I think yeah. once again, it was one of these things like, if I just look fierce, I'm going to win this lip sync. And that's like a very, yes. by this fr- stage, uh, outdated way of thinking. But those are all the thoughts I have, Taylor. Have you said everything you have to say? I have. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Be sure to join us next weekend every week as we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each and every episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 4. So for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself, sashay away until next week. listening to rupaul's drag race recap have something to say email us at drag race recap at afterthought.media you can also leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash afterthought media follow us on twitter at drag race recap for more access to lgbtq content support us over at patreon at patreon.com slash afterthought media you can follow Taylor the Latte Boy on Twitter and Instagram at P-I-M-C Taylor. Follow Joe Batance on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Batance. This episode was produced by Zach Birch. Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media podcast.